Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Some of the exploits that are available to us through prayer. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Colossians, I shall read um, it through. Um, so we're running a little bit late, so... Um, Chapter, chapter 4 of Colossians, beg your pardon. Continue, the Apostle Paul wrote, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you, for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts and within Omniscius, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling, as another translation says, always wrestling on your behalf in his prayers for you, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you, and for those in Laodicea in the Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and also in Ashford in Kent, and see that you also read the letter from the Laodiceans. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfil the ministry that you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. Wow, what a letter. He was a passionate man. Now, whatever stage of your spiritual journey um, you're at, I want to say this. You can grow more in your experience uh, of prayer. Um, It's a supernatural dimension prayer that's available to all of us. So God wants us to excel in understanding the power and the access we have available to Father. That that he's inviting us to come in to take part in this um, holy um, mission mission and ministry of seeing transformation. Now the letter to the Colossian church was written in AD 52. This is important. 
and when Paul was in prison as, um, in Rome. Now, significantly, it is significantly, I believe, what I want to say today, that the Roman Emperor Nero was beginning to go bonkers at this time. If you know about your history, he went bonkers. In prison, he went very weird and depraved. He even imprisoned many Christians. And one infamous act that, was, that, we, he, that he became well known for, amongst other things, he threw a lavish garden party in Rome. And an evening garden party for all the great and the good. And to give to, to set the ambience so that they could have light in, in the garden as it got dark, he took prisoners, um, Christian prisoners from prison and had them nailed to stakes and covered in tar and set them alight. So when people were walking around with their drinks, your brothers and sisters were being burned for light. That's how bonkers he was. Shocking. Imagine when you get to heaven and you, you meet somebody, because we'll be doing this. Well, tell me about your story. Well, I was nailed to a stake and I was covered in tar and I was lit alight and I saw Nero and these other people enjoying themselves and I burned and I screamed and I trusted Jesus that the light of the world would shine through me. I mean, what a, te- what a testament. This man, did that, that a man could do that to fellow human beings, and that Christians just trusted God. The light that they be, literally they became a light in a very, very dark place. And Paul had a passion for things to be different, not just in Rome, but in society. The apostles' passion was more that more and more people would hear about the life-transforming gospel message that he was stirred to pray for transformation. And as we are seeing here at Gateway, as people come under the influence of the gospel and the transformation power of the gospel, lives are transformed. There's transformation taking place in society because individuals are being touched by the gospel. It might be a while, but you'll see the gospel take root in people's lives and transformation takes place. So you're on a journey. When you become a Christian, you're on a journey. But it's a transformational journey, both inwardly and out to those around you. That, that the, because you are salt and light in the world. And so Paul writes in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Now devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So three things today. Remember three things. Devote yourself to prayer, be watchful, and be thankful. Now, as preachers always do in these circumstances, you go to the dictionary to find out um, the dictionary definition of devoted. And the one I found, there's a few, but the one I, I, I locked upon was this. Be very loving or, and loyal. So begin to love prayer. Begin to love, be d- d- devoted, to be loyal to praying. Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. So be devoted to it. You can do this. It's a, it's a glorious privilege for you to be able to come and have access to God just at a moment's notice. Wherever you are, you can turn to him. You don't have to wait in a queue for a, a, like a doctor's appointment. You have to wait for an hour because it's all gone squiffy. Your people have got in the queue before. Have you know, happened to me this week? No, you can have direct access to, to Father God. Any moment of time, you, you have access. Wonderful. So be devoted. Then secondly, Paul says, be watchful. 
I don't think Paul was speaking about minding where you put your feet when you go out in Colossae on, on the dog poo. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, be watchful for something else. You see, because he was... He, there are some people that get this. They are watchful when they go out. They're being prayerful, they're being watchful, and they're looking for opportunities, God-given opportunities, to reach out in kindness, love, and to share the faith. It's out there all the time. You know, when, when the disciples were walking down to um, Jericho with Jesus, they were walking along, but none of them saw Zacchaeus. It was only Jesus that saw Zacchaeus, and he saw the God moment, and God spoke to him. Zacchaeus, come down, because I'm coming to your house for tea. Have you ever said any, that to anybody? Um, I'm going to come to your, any neighbours, I'm going to come round to your house for tea. Right? But it's exactly what he needed because he was so lonely. And that was, that was Jesus was being watchful, being, pray, being prayerful and watchful. And so to these ancient Christians in the Roman Empire, um, they had ample opportunity to be watchful. There was a practice um, in, in the Roman Empire, um, has anybody heard of this, of what's called exposure? They would expose infants. So if you were a boy, if you are a baby boy, that was good news. But if you are a girl, it wasn't such good news. Because if your parents didn't want you, they would expose you to the elements. I'm going to... Um, Okay, could we look at this second slide? This practice of, of what they do, and it was legal that, that there, there was drop-off locations around the cities to dump little infants they didn't want. In a quote, I've got a quote of a letter from a soldier writing to his wife, and this gives us a clear picture of the Roman culture of the day. It said this, I am to his, his wife, this Roman soldier, I am still in Alexandria, I beg and plead with you to take care of our little child, and as soon as you receive, as we receive wages, I will send him to you. In the meantime, if good fortune is for you, when you give birth, if it's a boy, let him live. If it's a girl, expose it. So these these people would, if it's a girl, you it would be legal for you to take it and dump it at a a waste site where the, the bodies, the, the babies would be left to die. That was a culture in which Paul was writing to the church at Colossae too. And early Christians, however, decided to take Jesus' teaching to love your neighbours yourself seriously. They understood, just like in the story of the Good Samaritan, that these babies left to die qualified as neighbours. So they went out to these locations where they could find these children and they took them into their homes. And they would keep doing it and doing it, bringing transformational change against the, counter, the culture of that time. Nobody cares, but we care because we believe that all children reflect the image of God. These are our Christian ancestors. Isn't it wonderful? And these first believers... Their actions re responded to the cruel and inhuman world around them with acts of selfless kindness and selfless love. They did it day after day, week after week, and it's because it's what they understood Christianity to be. And in plagues, catastrophes, Christians would shine through with works and words of hope. 
and works of kindness to those gripped in the fear that it would af affect whole nations. The result was, within 300 years, the Roman Empire, having rejected Christianity, they turned to Christ. It took 300 years from a sect, who's seen as a sect, to the way, the truth, and the life. In his book, Irresistible, author Andy Stanley writes this, Once upon a time there existed a version of our faith worth living and dying for, something the world found irresistible. Men and women pursued it at the risk of persecution, job loss, eviction from their homes, temples and society. What if we actually followed their lead? What if in our society things may hit our society and there's going to be opportunity for us to take risks and show people the love of Christ in the most outrageous and sacrificial ways. Because through devotion to God in prayer, it changed the way they saw and the way they acted. In 1980, um, a, a woman um, called Heidi Baker and her husband Roland, they, they founded um, this organisation called Iris Global. Um, and uh, it was a, a ministry dedicated to charitable help to helping children and orphans. And um, I, 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 I've heard her speak. Heidi Baker spoke at the Catalyst Festival two years ago. What happened was she was just desperate to see the supernatural power of God at work, desperate for children to orphans. God gave her this burden. And she searched and searched and searched for God's power, and uh, it didn't come. But she continued searching. And then she had an encounter with God at a church meeting. The presence of God came upon her. We heard her say this. And she was under the presence of God for nine days. They had to carry her out of the meeting for nine days. Whole days she was just there in the presence of God. And she, as she came out of that, um, she started seeing wonderful miracles happening. People getting healed. Um, deaf and the blind being healed. And now, um, she, 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 well, she went to Mozambique and the stories of her ministry, because she started with a pr the prayer, the presence of God, and a change of heart, and a passion for the lost, and power. And you don't know what God might do in any of you here this morning. God might bring a burden upon you to seek him, to bring transformation because you can do that. Ordinary Christians, ordinary believers, you may well, I'm, I'm waiting for God to speak to me. Well, it may be that God's been keeping you like an arrow in his quiver for this moment in time that we're about to face. That God's going to transform many people's lives through your testimony. Paul writes, devote yourself to prayer. See, prayer's a two-way conversation, isn't it? Um, Jesus said in John chapter 10, I love this, he says, I am the good shepherd, I, I know my sh own sheep and they know me. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. What he's saying is when you become a follower of, uh, of Jesus, um, you're going to hear my voice. I'll hear your voice, but you're going to hear my voice. And the, so the, the challenge for us is learning to hear the voice of Jesus. Because as we pray to him, he will speak to us on what to do. 
That's, that's the key. It's learning to hear the voice of God. And we've been traveling up to Milton Keynes every week to, to understand more and more how we, the various ways we can hear the voice of God. We hear the voice of God through Scripture. I, I, yeah, we read this thing every day. It's a precious book. The Bible stands for best instructions before leaving earth. The Bible. But we're also learning to, to hear God speak to us through creation, through situations. Oh, God spoke to us in that. It's that whisper. I've only ever heard the audible voice of God once, and all he said was, my name. That was enough. But we're learning more and more to hear the voice of God. In a moment. You can do that if you're a believer. You can discern to begin to hear the voice of God. So it's a challenge for us to, to discern when we're speaking to him in prayer that God can speak to us back. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it said this, but who can know the, the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we can, I'm not a big fan of doing this, but can we say we, we, but we understand these things? For we have the mind of Christ. So you, because you're born again, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you're a spiritual person and you can begin to hear the Spirit speak to you. I had a bit of fun yesterday. Alfie had a great time. Alfie yesterday, I think four people gave their lives to the Lord. I, I, I brought a picture to somebody, which was, it was a prophetic picture. Then I, I just turned to Andrew and I gave her a... I gave her a I got into joking mode and I gave her a, a false prophetic picture with a joke in it and she laughed, she was very gracious to me and I, went, I walked away thinking, oh that wasn't good. So I walked back into my office and I said, Lord, I, I'm sorry for that because I shouldn't treat prof prophecy lightly. Um, what, do, what do you want to say to Andrew? And he said something to me, I believe, and I checked it out with um, Sue, yeah, yeah, and we've shared it with him, we'll just see what happens, eh? But it's learning to hear the voice of God, the prod of God, and to, oh, no, that wasn't right, but okay, Lord, rather than going to condemnation, what should I be saying? You get that? You see, we are sons and daughters of God, born by, again by the Spirit. Uh, we've been reading uh, this book uh, at our, our course, Bob Johnson, not Bill Johnson, Bob Johnson, he's actually Bill Johnson's brother, called Love Stains. And what it is, he's an evangelist, and he... He's learning to hear, he's put into practice, learning to hear the voice of God. You pray, then you learn to hear the voice of God wherever you are. And they went on a mission down into um, São Paulo in, in Brazil, and they were part of a mission team. And he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, order a thousand roses. Was it a thousand? It was Hundred, okay, well, I've got that wrong. I'm thinking big, right? Oh, have a hundred roses. That's what a thousand roses look like. So they, and they, he shared what he felt they should do. He said, I want to go to visit prostitutes and give them each a rose from Jesus. <laughs> wow. And they thought he was mad. And he couldn't find prostitutes. They went out trying to find the prostitutes. There was no prostitutes there. Then they found out there was a special big house where these prostitutes were. And they got permission to go in and knock at doors and give a rose to each of the prostitutes and saying, Jesus loves you. The power encounters that they had, it's a good book to read, lots of stories about hearing Jesus. They had a ministry to the homeless and he felt 
God say to them, to him, don't just provide opportunities for the homeless to, to find a s accommodation. Wash their feet. Wash their feet. I want you to wash their feet. And he started offering to wash their feet. He said, we don't want, no, thank you. And so, Lord, I've done that. And th now he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, well, give them some free socks because they'll let you wash their feet if you because they have clean socks. So they got clean socks. And, okay, you can wash our feet. It's hearing the Holy Spirit. It's an adventure. And we're bringing the love of God. I just want to say, John, thank you for all the flowers you're bringing. You just heard that, and it's, it, I know it's brought some people to tears. It's just flowers. No, it's not. It's more than that. It's expressing God's love in practical, tangible ways. Then he said, third thing. So what's the first one? Be devoted. What's the second one? Not wash feet. Watchful. And the third one was be thankful. In Psalm 100 verse 4, the psalmist says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. Now, Revelation 21, 21 speaks about the gates of the Lord. Because it taught, we, we, in, in, this, in the new heaven and earth, it, the 12 gates were made of pearl. Enter, in, enter into his gates through gates of pearl. That's what those gates are. It says here, each gate was made of a single pearl. How are pearls made? Oysters and mussels, but we, I'd sooner have a pearl made by an oyster than a mussel, but, but yeah. A piece of grit or uh, an irritant, an infection. Uh, something that shouldn't be there gets in. And what it does, the pearl, um, sorry, the, 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 the oyster or the mollusk, it, it produces a defence mechanism, a fluid used to coat the irritant, and layer upon layer, it produces a pearl. There's an illustration here, isn't there? Right, because irritants and, and pieces of grit will come into our lives, whether it's a person or a, a problem, whatever. It's what we do with that. Do we... Do, do we react in an ungodly way or do we keep praising keep thanking because when we do that it's almost like we coat it and it transforms the problems are transformed to pearl of praise well I'm not healed yet keep praising because it, what it becomes a pearl of great price in you we were talking this morning that somebody asked me he said, why is it that um, some people seem to have such a great healing ministry, yet they've still got stuff wrong with their bodies. <laughs> I don't know. But you can't deny that God's using them. I think it's most probably because these people who go through such things choose to keep praising God in tough situations. Hey, that's going to be a pearl. That's going to be a pearl. 
God knows what he's doing. That's going to be a pearl. Enter into his gates every time with thanksgiving. Turn your problems into pearls. It's, it's amazing how God works all this out. Had a lovely, we had a lovely coffee with Barbara um, Downs last week. and uh, um, Where is she? Oh. Is Betty here? Oh, yeah, I can't see Betty. We had a lovely coffee with our three... Dobby's vows, you didn't we, last week? And, and Betty, we got talking about, Betty, uh, um, Barbara got so excited about being, uh, having an opportunity to share her faith, didn't she? Do you remember that? It was wonderful. And she found out that John and Patricia died in praying for her. Somebody else had praying for her to be um, a door of opportunity open. And uh, Barbara just turned to me, she said, you know what, Graham? Every night when I'm lying in bed, I thank God. I thank him for the warm bed. I thank him for food. And drink. I thank him for friends. You know, that's so simple, but so powerful. Because I don't do that. In, I, just, I just get my electric blanket on. <laughs> I've even started thanking God for the electric blanket. But tell you what, it changes your attitude the next morning because you're developing a lifestyle of thankfulness. You, there's always something you can thank God for. Yeah, thank God when I wake up. Yeah, it's thank God you do wake up. <laughs> but that's right, isn't it? It's living that, thank you, it's living that sense of, living in that sense of gratitude daily. But most of us need breakthrough in prayer. I found, I've been thinking about it a lot recently, and sometimes I found prayer really hard, I've confession time, Right? I find it difficult when people say, I always love praying. I, I don't. I, I know the value of prayer. But what I'm finding, I've been analysing it a bit, that when I found it particularly hard to pray, not to give up. Jesus said, when men, it's, obviously it's more problem with men, men should always pray and not give up. I think they don't say anything about the women because he knows the women all pray. But men have a propensity to give up in prayer. But what I'm finding is, is when you pray through the difficulties and not feeling like it, the fruitfulness seems to be greater. I can't work that out. But what it does, it inspires me to carry on praying through when I'm struggling in prayer. And one of the things that helped me, when I come to pray, I tell myself that God is, you're a rewarder of those who seek you. That's what you say, God. So I'm going to do it because I want some rewards today. Right? I'm, I'm believing that when I come to you, I believe that you are, you exist, and you are a rewarder of those who seek you. And I will enter into your courts with praise. I will thank you in spite of all this, all that. I will always find something to thank you. I'm going to come into your courts with praise because I'm going to press on through. I want to get a breakthrough in this area. In verse 3, Paul says this, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So here's Paul in chains, Roman soldiers, and he's saying, please pray for an opportunity for a door to be opened to me to preach the gospel. I mean... I won't be thinking that. I'll be thinking, when's my next meal being pushed through the bottom of the door of the cell? But that's what's Paul's heart. So who was Paul talking about then? When he said, pray for us then, I might have an opportunity to share the gospel. 
it would appear that it was Emperor Nero. That's my, that's my take on this. I think it was Emperor Nero. Paul had him in his sights. Obviously the Praetorian God, because we are told later um, in, um, where is it? In Philippians 1.13, Paul writes to this church in Philippi, he says, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial God and to all the rest that, that my imprisonment is for Christ. So how did you arrive here, Paul? What, what have you done wrong? Oh, well, I just believe in Jesus. <laughs> it's when people start asking you questions, why do you go to church? Why do you, how can you believe in God giving you the opportunity? You see, I believe it was Nero because Paul had been told by um, Agab, um, Ananias, is it? Ananias, yeah. When, when Paul, um, at the moment of his conversion, the Lord told Ananias to go and, and, uh, and uh, pray for Paul. Um, he was called Saul then. And uh, Jesus said to Ananias, I will sh- you must go to this man. He's a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. Wow. You think God could give you that? How would you cope with that? If I will show you how much you must suffer in my name. But it's for a greater purpose. You, that's the same God we worship. Yeah, We're quite soft in the West, actually. We're quite soft. Sometimes there may be a cause of suffering in order that we may be a witness. While being held in custody in Caesarea, Paul, on his way to Rome, it, Paul appealed to have his court case heard by Caesar himself. And as was his right as a Roman citizen, there was only one on his way an angel to Rome. An angel said this to Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. It actually says that, before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you um, and all you say are with you um, to be safe. You see, Paul knew, he'd had, he, he knew prophetically and through revelation that he would be chosen by the Holy Spirit to, rep, to stand before this nutty emperor, Caesar. So he was asking them to have a door of opportunity to be open, and that, that day would have come, I believe, when the door opened and he was led before Caesar. And he had to stand there and give an account of his faith. Was it Paul's responsibility on how Nero responded? Was that Paul's responsibility? No, it wasn't. He was being called to give an account to speak to Nero about the gospel. How Nero responded, that's Nero's responsibility. <laughs> All he could do is to be a witness. Right? This is important for you and I. Because God may be placing people on your heart for you to be a witness. Pray for an opportunity. So the lady Barbara was given to pray for on her heart. Apparently, um, she didn't respond well. But that's not Barbara's responsibility. But we know the seed went in. And you have to leave the seed. What happens to God? But Nero, he went on to commit heinous things. Well, heinous things, however you pronounce it. 
But that wasn't Paul's fault. You see, Nero would have to be accountable to God. This is important for you and I in our outreach to others with God's message. In 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, God desires that all men be saved. That's what the word says. God desires that Nero will be saved. God would have desired that Hitler could have been saved. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I believe God gives people every opportunity in their life to respond. Well, what about the ones who have never heard the gospel? Well, it says in the scriptures that people know plainly that God is because they can see it in creation. All creation spouts forth praise. There's no excuse. But God's a good God. And he doesn't want anybody to perish. So we are, we are called, each one of us, to be partakers in that, as ambassadors, as carriers of the gospel. But you never know. People might be saved. And that's not your responsibility, but that's your joy when it is. And we have to contend. What the joy of this is we can contend in prayer for people to be saved. I know there's a couple in this church who have been praying for one of their family members, for, I think, for 13 years. And an Alpha course, that family member came at the end and wonderful life transformation, wonderful receiving of the gospel, wonderful joy. 13 years praying. It's glorious, isn't it? You see, William Booth, you've heard of William Booth, Salvation Army, found, he said this, go straight for souls and go for the worst. Go for the worst. Go for the worst. And learning to contend in prayer for non-Christians and their acquaintances, we need to understand that the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded people's minds from seeing the gospel. I'm the youngest of four. Um, my eldest brother... And when I became a Christian at 11, some of you know the stories, it's Clive, he said, well, it'll never last with you. Never last. I don't believe in um, this. I, uh, I believe that um, God's an alien and all that stuff, you know. The, oh, come on, Clive. He said, no, it, you, it'll pass with you. And through the years, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let me speak to him about a gospel. And I kept praying. I kept praying. God, give me that one opportunity. And as he was getting older and older, I said, give, just give me one opportunity. Just give me one opportunity. And then cancer struck him and uh, um, it, it moved pretty quickly in his life. And he was uh, taken to Birmingham Hospital. And my, my sister-in-law said, Graham, he's only got days to live. And, and it just so happened that I happened to be in that area at the same time. Well, I'm, I'm under conference. So I'll go. And they won't allow people to see him. But I said, well, I'm a church pastor. <laughs> well, you, I got in. And so here's this one moment. I've been praying nearly 40 years for him. I said, Lord, help me, to, please, help me to say the right words. Help me to say the right words. And um, I saw him and he, he looked at me and uh, I thought, okay, this is what I said. I said, well, it looked like you were wrong then. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He said, well, you said it had never lasted with me. Here I am now. And we talked and uh, I said, do you want to pray? I said, I'm, I'm not very good at praying. 
I said, well, can I pray with you? He said, yeah. And that moment, I, I prayed for him to become a Christian. And, um, yeah, he did. And I walked away from the ward, turned around, and he looked at me. And I said, I'll see you again. He said, yeah. 40 years. 40 years. Who's God putting on your heart? Because if he's not, he wants to. Because we're ambassadors, we're co-workers with Christ. Who are you contending for in prayer? You see, the God of this world are blinding his eyes um, from receiving the gospel. But at that right moment... In the fullness of time, God came to him. That was a fluke. No, it happened to my next eldest brother as well on his deathbed. Because God's not God's will. Any man should perish, but all should be saved. But we. But I, if I hadn't have done that, I don't know how God would have got to him. He may not be there. He may have got to him another way, and he would have said, "No, I don't want to know." But because his family member, I don't know. Perhaps because they'd seen my lifestyle? Maybe. Because it's what Paul's saying. Watch your life. Watch your life. Watch your life. Why do you watch your life? Because I heard somebody say once to somebody, I can't hear what you're saying because your life's shouting at me. And you see, it matters. It matters. What Paul said early on in the meeting, it matters. What, what you prayed so well. It, it matters. You see, when we become Christians, we don't have to sin. You don't have to continue living in sin. When we become Christians, he sets us free. I'm not saying we can never sin again. I'm not saying that. But we don't have to keep sinning. You don't have to. It's the grace of God has come to, t- say, to teach us to say no to ungodliness. Be radical with sin. Cut it out of your life. Let your light shine. Be radical keep being radical verse 5 there you go be wise in every way you act towards outsiders make the most of every opportunity <laughs> hallelujah in verse 12 Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of God in Christ Jesus sends you greetings he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God and fully assured. There's an unusual way for prayer being answered in Gateway at the moment. Jump in. Get involved. You see, you might have a, a burden for healing, right? But could you ha- cope with it if God gave you a burden for healing? You want to see people healed. But I know there's two people in this church who've got a burden for it. My wife's one of them. She said I'm, a year ago, so I really got a bur- I got a burden to see people healed, and I thought it will pass. But and she prayed for people, and they weren't healing, they weren't getting healed, and I had to live with that. <laughs> with the disappointment, she said, but she kept coming back to God. I'm, I'm, she said, Graham, I'm going to keep praying for healing. I'm, I'm going to contend for this. Have you ever seen a t- try to take a, do- a, a a bone off of a dog? It's like this. She's been like that. Because the enemy's saying, no, give up, give up, give up. Give up. No, I'm not going to give up. 
for a year. She's been wrestling in prayer for healing. Now, I'm not pointing Sue out because, well, I'm just impressed. But I'm impressed with God that he puts burdens onto people's hearts. Now, come on, contend for it. Contend for it. Let's get breakthrough on it. So, concluding. Romans 8, 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit, Holy Spirit helps us in all weakness. I'm, I'm, I'm weak, but he'll help me. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You're involved in this. Come on, church, get on board. It's glorious. Could you allow him to intercede through you? Well, I've not been a Christian long enough. Rubbish. Poppycock. Get on board now because he loves you and he listens to your voice. I'm going to conclude with a little story. I used to be in the church army. It's a bit like the Sally army, but evangelist anointed church. And uh, you've got William Booth, but the foundation of the founder of the church army, apart from Jesus, was a man called Wilson Carlyle. And he, had, he would train lay evangelists in the Anglican church to reach people for Christ. And this evangelist, trainee evangelist, wrote to him, he said, um, Mr. Carlyle, I'm not having much fruit for my ministry. What's the answer? He said, um, send me a, he wrote back, he said, send me your trousers. <laughs> so he sent him his trousers, his uniform trousers. And he, he looked at it and he sent them back. He said, yes, just as I thought, too much wear on the bottom and not enough wear on the knees. 